You're listening to The Invisible Blog. Hearken Unto Them, a review of us. Behold, I will bring evil upon them, which they shall not be able to escape. And though they shall cry unto me, I will not hearken unto them. Jeremiah 11.11 I should probably tell you up front that I don't like horror movies. That feeling of being scared, you know, and jumping out of your seat at a pop scare, scared, it doesn't do it for me. I'm scared of enough things in real life without adding fictional things to the list for my mere recreations. So when I say that Jordan Peele's Us was worth every second of ear and eye-covering horror, know that I mean it. Now, a lot of reviewers have written about Us. So rather than spending this review echoing the points on which I agree, that Lupita Nyong'o's brilliant performance is amazing, that Mike Guliakis's haunting and poetic cinematography is stunning, and of course that Jordan Peele is and seems to continually be a brilliant writer, I want to talk about what I think most reviewers have missed. The meaning of Us. And its monster, the Tethered specifically. So... Obviously, spoiler alert. In review after review of the film, critics seem, to put it mildly, confused by the film's ending. And at first blush, that's understandable. As a mythology, the tethered don't make a lot of sense. They were a science experiment that someone just left them there in a mall full of rabbits underground. How did they survive? Is their underground mall thing an exact copy of the overground? How were they able to escape? Where did they get all the jumpsuits? But if we let our grasp of the literal go, I'm going to be so bold as to say, I think we find a meaning behind us, and the tethered specifically, that is uniquely fit for our times. And that makes sense. I mean, Jordan Peele is a reactive filmmaker. He got his start as a comedian, and that matters. The core of comedy, in my opinion, is understanding. If you don't understand something, you don't know why it's funny. And Peele's gift with horror is the other equally sharp side of that wit. The way that Get Out exposed the civilized mask that white supremacy wears was a perfect product of post-Obama backlash, as was Donald Trump's election. But Us is a movie about living through that backlash. It's about the consequences of the villains and monsters of our time being, well, us. So there's been this itchy thought in the back of my mind since 2016. And and I've written a little about it here and there, but us kind of scratched that itch. So, so bear with me. You see, growing up, my dad had a bunch of friends who were just obsessed with Vietnam. Like they read books about it all the time. They talked about it. And it was just like the obvious foundation of their wacky anti-government looniness. And I didn't get it then. But I think I do now. See, when I was a kid, I always thought it was just about war. But lots of societies and cultures have war. I mean, literally every American generation has had a war. So I thought, what were these guys freaking out about? But now, 
I think I realized that it wasn't about the war. It was about being the bad guys in that war. I mean, right now, you and me, we know that our government is tearing children from their parents' arms and locking them in cages. Cages so cold, they die. We know that there have been thousands of sexual assaults in these facilities, that the government is tracking these women's menstrual cycles so that they don't get abortions, but not giving them pads or tampons, that we are holding many of them indefinitely, and that our highest court just ruled that to be perfectly legal. And you and I have done nothing. Nothing that matters. I mean, look, it's happening right now, and I'm here blogging, right? When, when I lived in New York, I was a 30-minute subway ride away from an ICE detention center. And we all should have just marched down there and kicked down the door and freed those people, no matter the cost, right? Because it's the right thing to do, and because history has taught us what happens when we don't. But we didn't. We aren't. And what drove my dad's wacky Vietnam conspiracy friends crazy wasn't that bad guys exist, it's that they were the bad guys. And is there a more perfect representation of the horror that elicits than dark and murderous doppelgangers? I think not. Now, a lot of writers throughout history have pointed out that the monsters in our stories point to our deeper fears. From the moment there were monsters, someone pointed out how much they look like us. When society needs to express its fear of progressive, vampires serve as their Jungian representatives. I mean, they're eternally young, sexually promiscuous, queer or queer-coded, and of course, literally living off others. It's not subtle. And zombies serve a similar purpose on the other side. They are mindless consumers attacking in hordes. And while vampires almost always exist in and are of a functioning world, zombies almost always end the world. While vampires represent the Jungian fear of youth and change, zombies represent the fear of the older by personifying death. To me, the tethered are a variation on the zombie for 2019, meant to prod at what might be progressives' greatest weakness, our pride. As Ian Danskin points out in his brilliant video essay, Always a Bigger Fish, liberalism is, at its core, based on democracy, on equality, and conservatism is based on the idea of hierarchy. Except, deep down, conservatives don't believe us, right? They believe that liberals also believe in hierarchy and just use the excuse of liberalism to put themselves and the people they value higher up the pyramid. And secretly, I think a lot of liberals are afraid they're right. I mean, if you're a liberal, I hate to break it to you, you are numerically better educated, healthier, less likely to divorce, and richer than your conservative counterpart. And your ideas are better. They just are. But admitting this is inherently anti-democratic, illiberal, and unequal. If there were more conservatives in this country than liberals, liberal ideas would still be correct. And therefore, kind of, at least in spirit, incorrect. And this inner conflict is what the tethered 
represent and poke at so effectively. They're, pardon the pun, uniformly red. Their lives are a terrifying mockery of ours. The warped story Ngoyo's counterpart, aptly named Red, tells in the Tethered's very first appearance in the film is of a little girl and her shadow. While the little girl eats, the shadow eats raw, bloody rabbit. When the little girl gets gifts, her shadow is given monstrous, sharp things that cut her when she touches them. And this is the liberal fear that we sit in cushy universities while conservatives work farms and mines by the sweat of their brows. That we have the privilege of liberalism because of a conservative suffering and the tethered the rising, unseen, unexpected tide of red are, are just desserts for our hubris. Their weapons, the very symbol of division and separation. Golden scissors. And the peak of this? The so-called mission of the tethered. Unlike zombies, the tethered have a goal, led by a mad, destructive, opposite version of our protagonist. Is there a better way to describe Donald Trump? They kill and hurt for no reason or purpose. The cruelty is the point. As Red says when asked what they want, we want to take our time. They want to kill and hurt us because they feel cheated, because they feel it is their time, and then... They want to join hands. In the last montage of the movie, as we watch the rise of Red and the Tethered, we see that she made her Hands Across America t-shirt a kind of religion for the Tethered. And Hands Across America is a fitting metaphor. It was a largely ineffective publicity stunt dreamed up by a TV director that absolutely failed at its goal. It, it didn't link people coast to coast, it was poorly managed, and while it did raise $34 million, only 15 of that went to charity. It is a fantastic example of a bad idea being applied badly, and it is the religion of the tethered. As Red says, something the whole world would have to pay attention to, and they succeed. That's where the movie leaves us. Our protagonists survive, but the last shots of the movie are dedicated to the countless innocents who have been murdered. And then their killers, united and proud, standing hand in hand, news helicopters circling them as they build a wall. Hey guys, thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed this, please take a moment to like and subscribe. If you'd like to support the work I do on this blog, you can head over to patreon.com slash Eli Bosnick and give whatever you like. And if you're already a patron, stay tuned so I can answer the question you were probably already asking in this blog's afterthoughts. What the heck happened to your blog?